Hi, and welcome to Girl Talk. Join me and my closest girlfriends as we navigate life, love, and relationships. Each week, we will discuss a new topic and address it head-on with personal experiences and learned lessons. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining this week's Girl Talk. I'm your host, Britt, and today we will be joined by Shelby. Shelby will be sharing her journey through a toxic and abusive relationship, and how she rebuilt her life to ultimately have freedom, happiness, and self-worth. I am super excited for Shelby to be joining us today because we go back many, many years. We went to high school together. We were both in each other's weddings, and she is a very strong and resilient person, and I just feel so honored that she was willing to share her story with you all on this podcast. So let's get started. Welcome, Shelby, to the show. I just want to say before we get started that I want to thank you, and I have so much admiration for you having the courage and the strength to share your story and the amount of courage and and resilience that it really takes to be here. So thank you very much. Well, thank you for having me. I'm very excited and nervous. (laughs) Very honored that you asked me to be on it. Well, um, when I think about people who are very resilient and strong, you are definitely one of the, the first people that come to mind. You're so sweet. So um, I guess let's dive in. So Shelby, um, you were married to Bob, who was a very um, unhealthy, uh, unhealthy partner, and it was a very toxic relationship. Can you first tell us um, how you met Bob? Um, it's funny. I worked at Starbucks. And my friend who worked there as well, obviously, um, she always loved to try to be like the little matchmaker for everyone that was like single at work. And I, she made some comment like, oh, this guy is really cute. Like, I'll give him your number. And I'm like, no, 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 it has not worked before. Like, no, don't do it. I, I, he comes in here all the time. And I actually didn't even know who he was. Like, I didn't have a face. She just said he's there every morning and I made his drinks. And Then she told me that she gave him my number and I about died inside. And then he texted me and then I realized who he was. And I was like, oh, okay. Very surprised. Like, here I am, like working at 4am, no makeup, the hair in a bun, looking a mess. And here's this like tall, very well-built, like tattooed guy, like. Definitely your type. (laughs) (laughs) More or less. Yeah. And, um, and that's how that all started. And I didn't. I would have never guessed it would have taken off and really become anything. And it oddly enough did. And it worked for a while. And when you first started dating Bob, what would you say your emotional state was? Like, were you in a healthy place? Um, I think I was almost like maybe give or take a year out of a relationship. Um, But I was in a good place. I was uh, living with my friend Kara and her boyfriend at the time. I was working. Um, I was already done with school. So I was working two jobs, I think at that time already. So I was good. Like I was very, I wasn't looking for anything or expecting anything at all. So you were just living life. Yeah. So it just kind (laughs) of came about. Well, that's, that's good. That's always a good way to start dating somebody, right? Yeah. I think Um, so. So when did you begin dating once, once, um, that number and texts were exchanged? So he, we actually text and obviously I saw him at work um for I think like almost two weeks so every day it was like oh good morning how's your day what are you doing after work and I would keep waiting for him to like ask me out and 
nothing, nothing. Always, what time are you off work? What are you doing after work? And I'm like, uh, hello. (laughs) (laughs) So I think I finally said something like, you know, um, I swear I don't always wear black and have my hair in a bun. Um, <laughs> I can be cute sometimes. <laughs> I, I looked if I swear this is not my literal everyday. This is my um, 4 a.m. work every day. And um, so we finally hung out. And I, it was funny. There was never that, um, like, oh, will you be my girlfriend kind of thing. It was just we saw each other. It was like once we hung out that first time, like, we were just always together. Like we, we spent weekends together, like with his friends and like, we weren't all over each other. You know, he had his daughter. So we were, I tried to be as respectful from what he wanted and just in general to like, you know, that was still very new. And like, I, you know, of course you don't want to just like throw something like that at your daughter without knowing. Totally. So can you, can you out um, his daughter and maybe his previous, like what his relationship status was with maybe the mom? Um, so when I first met him, I mean, of course your ex is your ex for a reason, you know, sometimes it's uh, amicable, mutual, other times it's just not good. So obviously the him and his ex were not on the best of terms, but his daughter was the cutest, sweetest little thing. Oh, you know, like to push the buttons, but what kid doesn't. Right. And how old was she at that time? I can't remember. Um, she was four turning five. Okay. So very young. Yeah. Very Okay. And when you first started dating him, did you see any red flags, especially when you first started dating? I mean, I think in the beginning of any relationship for anyone, you know, when you start dating someone, you know, of course you look for red flags, but you also see so much good, you know, and he was, I mean, my parents are divorced since I was a kid. So I saw that he's a single dad that was all about his daughter. And I really liked that a lot. I thought that was just very not admirable but yeah very admirable and very nice to see that like he still wanted to be that very big part like his time with his daughter was his time with his daughter and I never wanted to not like impose on that you know and um I I love that and so I mean you know I'm no angel I know I have a bit of a hot head at times and so I mean you know there's little things like that stupid little fights which is normal so in the beginning like of course you know, for again, anytime, you know, you always have, what if it doesn't work? What if he still, you know, wants to be with her mom and little things like that. But I don't think I saw anything that like was instantly like run. Right. I think it was just like, it sucks. We're fighting or, you know, whatever. But of course you want to get through it and you don't want to fight with who you're with. Of course. Yeah. And would you say at that time your fights were healthy? I mean, I said sometimes they could have been silly. And because me being who I am, if someone pushes me, I tend to push back. Like, I'll try to be, you know, like, oh, I don't want to fight. This is dumb. But if I keep getting, like, poked, then I'm going to be like, okay. Like, if if there's a Yeah, you stand up for yourself. Yeah, like, there was one time, like, a silly comment. It was a stupid fight. I don't even remember how it started. But it was like, oh, I'm going to leave. Or he was like, oh, then leave. And I was just so mad. And I was like, fine. (laughs) I took all the clothes out of my closet and threw them in my car, which then I had to go back and hang later that night. But (laughs) it was just just stupid stuff like that. Okay. And so at what point would you say you realized your relationship with him was dysfunctional? Would you say that was after marriage or before? Yeah, I mean, I think over time, like, I think I did kind of notice, like, him getting, like, more easily irritated with things than, you know, and, like, I mean, again, there was, 
you know, you, there's stress and drama with custody battles. And then when we had gotten married, so there's just, of course, an added stress and like, not all of his family really cared for me, vice versa. So of course that's stress. So I think I thought and maybe hoped a lot of it was just, I guess, a buildup of things. But um, after we got married, things like, I think, slowly became like more toxic. And I think because it wasn't like a big hit right away, that again, you're with someone for so many years, you've seen such good in them that, you know, you're not, it's not easy to walk away. Yeah. Or, and you, right. you know, again, you want to hope it's a bad day or if it's a bad rut or whatever and get through it. But I think what really, I think took a turn was um, we had had three miscarriages within a year. Um, so I think of course for anyone, one miscarriage alone is, it's so hard and it's, it just, it, it especially like not to say it doesn't affect the father, but for a woman, it, breaks you yeah and I can relate so it's, yes it's very hard and for me our first pregnancy we had twins and so on one hand it was very neat that but again un- unexpectedly uh, his daughter was there when we found out we were pregnant when I went to my ultrasound she wasn't in the room and she didn't know yet but she was there for uh, you know around for those moments Right. And so she was there when we had the ultrasound. She was, and then I, that was when we were told that, you know, there wasn't growth like there should have been. And when I got a call that I wasn't having growth, then that was confirmed. And when I, she was there with us when I had passed my two babies at home. And so it was hard to kind of like grieve how I wanted to because, you know, you're trying to keep it private and affect somebody else. Yeah. And not kind of like, not confuse her, but you know, to put that on her and then maybe make her think or wonder and kind of have to deal with more than I already am dealing with. Definitely. And and then a few months later, I had my second miscarriage and a few months after that, I had my third. So I think that was just a lot very quickly. And I think it affected both of us more than we realized. And he's not very like, let's sit down and cry it out kind of thing. Whereas a girl, you want to cry it out, you want to yell about it or whatever it is. Um, right. You go through the emotions. You don't yeah. skip over them. Right. So, and of course, as a guy, he wants to be like, oh, it's okay. Don't cry. You're okay. You're okay. You're okay. So then I want, like, of course, I want to try and be strong too. So then I'm trying to not cry, but then it just eats at you. So I think that was definitely where things took the turn. Okay. The and um, what was his behavior like after that? Um... It was, is that when it, maybe he got more detached? I don't think it was detached, but like, we never talked about it. He didn't want to talk about it. Um, then fights just became about everything. It, everything was something or it was my fault or just nothing was right. Or we don't have this. And like, like basically like we had, we don't, it was always, we don't have a pot to piss and we don't have this. We don't have that. And all these things where it just seemed like nothing was ever right. Nothing was ever okay. Nothing was ever going to be good enough anymore. And then it just became like a drink wasn't a drink anymore. It was drinks. And, you know, he, he went through some dark times. And again, I thought maybe it was a phase because that is very hard. And I, maybe he was just coping and dealing differently. And like, we, we had a few times where it's like, we went out like for a weekend and like, we really went for it, got way too drunk. But again, it was like, we were trying to just like let loose, like unwind, like try to be us. Right. Um, but I uh, just, everything was very, seemed very agitating to him. 
I was agitating too, and my head switched a job. I went from one hospital to another to where I had a set schedule of three 12 hour shifts to five, eight hour shifts and my schedule varied. So that was also a change that was hard. And it was just so much change at once that I think it, it just affected everything a lot differently where I was hoping this is a change. This is new, you know, this is a foot in the door to this great company I'm working for and all this stuff. And it just did not go any way I thought it would. Yeah, well, that is a lot of change. Jobs are definitely one. And then when you're dealing with grief, and then you also have a kid that's getting older, you know, I mean, there's a lot on your guys's plate for sure. Yeah. So can you tell me about a time when um, maybe a big fight happened? And ultimately, you know, you realized this is not the right relationship for you? Um, I mean, honestly, it became to where there was a lot of fights about a lot of things. And, but he, and I'm not really sure what it was. Um, he, it was like, he almost became paranoid. Like I had to have my location on, are you at work? And he would, I found out that he like would drive to my work to make sure that my car was really there. Like, am I really with this friend? And, you know, it's, it was always a question of like, what am I doing? Wow. And, that sounds very controlling. Yeah. And it was like where before, you know, I could go have dinner with the girls or after work, we as like everyone from work from the hospital, would go get breakfast. And like, that was okay. And like, I would never be like, oh, he would go to the river for the weekend with the boys, like, go ahead, have fun, because I have to work. And it just became like, if I do go somewhere, I have to be home by the time he's home. And it can only be with these people or like, he doesn't like them. So I can't hang out with them or see them or like, they're this or they're that. And it just kind of became really what do I want to fight about is it worth the fight and you just become like stuck in a sense like I wanted to get past it I tried to I then I tried to I think problem solve of if we get into this then we can get back on track to how we were Let, let's do more outdoor and hiking let's do more like family weekend things let's go you know I was just trying to what can we do to make this better right and it just seemed like nothing was ever enough and I just, it, everything became a stupid fight. Everything was a fight about, I mean, I could have dropped a pen wrong. Someone could have dropped a pen wrong in a store or looked at him wrong and it, it would get pissed off. So much stress to live with. A lot. He and even so actually you... called my work one time. I was at work. I work in an ER. So I, I have my phone, yes. But if I'm in a code, if I'm in a trauma, if I'm with a patient. If I'm pushing the patient up, if I'm in a CT, I can't, I don't have my phone on hand all the time, which I always thought like we understood, like he does the same thing, you know, we don't sit at a desk all day. And he got, I was sitting on a patient and he called my hospital and demanded that they overhead page that I call my husband back. And my charge nurse was like, um, do you need to go take care of something? And I was mortified. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's a lot. I mean, it just sounds like this is what leads to abuse, right? These types of controlling behavior. So it just is definitely a red flag. Yeah, absolutely. And so would you say that when he called the hospital, that was the last straw for you? Or what, what was the last straw that you decided you needed to leave? Um, honestly, I should have had a lot of last straws. And I think for a while I was maybe trying to not lie to myself I mean maybe more or less lie kid myself whatever word would be fitting to it but I think in I, denial yeah right? I, I think I knew inevitably 
what was going to happen, even though I didn't want it to happen, but quite clearly there was no going back or moving forward or whatever it might be. Um, so I think I should have had a lot of last straws. There was a lot of physical things that happened. Um, a lot of, a lot of abuse, physical, mental, verbal, just, I became like broken as a person. I was, I became completely to where I was used to getting called and told so many things that like, I just felt like unworthy of anything in life. And it's like, how do you be like, it just became really hard. So what unfortunately became my straw, which I never thought it would ever come to, because I mean, unfortunately, again, for any relationship, when you have kids, like there's fights, whatever. And as much as you don't want your kids to hear, unfortunately, they may hear things, you know, um, but he, uh, actually woke up his daughter I got home from work one night and we had just that day night before talked about let's get back into family stuff let's do this let's do that I was at work I came home from work he was like sitting in the dark waiting for me and got mad and I didn't understand where it came from and I was like okay like let's go to bed Audrey's asleep like let's just let's go to bed and like you know we're gonna do this tomorrow it'll be a good day and um he I, he was in the garage because my car and like he was in the garage because I was like, no, like she's asleep. Like, let's just go to bed. And I heard this big. And I was like, what the hell is this? I go, look, he slashed my tire. And I was like, and of course, I'm like mad and like in shock. And I'm like, what the hell? He spit in my face. Like, I think he threw me in the wall. And then, of course, you know, reaction. I like freaked out and I like, smacked his arm or something. And then he woke her up and said, call the cops on her. She's beating me. Oh, my gosh. And it was like 2 a.m. And that was when I was like, this is, it's not okay that any of it was happening, that she would ever had to have heard anything, God forbid. But the fact that he actively involved her, when so many times before, if I were to try to like say something back, it would be, my daughter's here. No. So he could say stuff, but I couldn't because his daughter was there. And then the fact that he just, no regard, no hesitation thought to involve her. Yeah. So the fact that he just. And he is a big guy. I mean. Yes. Not saying, I mean, you hitting him, (laughs) that would not affect him. He is a big guy. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, me smacking him to what has happened to me is. Um, Yeah. Spit in the face, slash tires. I mean, I mean, there's, it's, there's a lot, there's a lot of other things. Like I, we were on a trip and, um, I should have probably left after that was an anniversary trip. And he actually got mad on our way home because he couldn't decide if he wanted to drive through for a quick snack and eat when we got home or eat somewhere on the way. And because I was like, I think I chuckled like, Oh my God, this is so dumb or whatever, something off the cuff like that. And he got I guess very bothered by that and like hit me in my face and I I mean of course it hurt but I didn't think anything otherwise and a few weeks later um I still had like pain and I found out I had um five fractures in my face oh my gosh Shelby so like I'll never have sensation on the left side of my face anymore and what this is happening because it sounds like this is obviously reoccurring. He has a temper and an abuse issue. So when was this was happening, did you have somebody that you could talk to about it? Were you open with, with what was going on and telling people? At that time, no. Um, I, one of my friends 
like I could you know talk to her about like oh we had this stupid fight or like what do I do like you know that kind of thing but I didn't fully divulge all that kind of stuff of like the physical things um until after when I felt like I guess stronger or safer to do so right um I mean there's been times where I like ran out of my house and I had to run across the street and go hide in a bush until my friend came to pick me up because how he was acting like it's there's been so many times where and I feel like maybe some of like one of my family members I feel like maybe they think I cried wolf because of course like when you're in it you're like what am I doing I need to leave well this isn't how it should be which it shouldn't but then of course I think uh, I think he is completely a narcissist and in narcissist true fashion they know how to apologize they know how to make you feel bad they know how to make you feel like they want to change and they're so horribly sorry and they they can't believe they did this like please forgive me I will change I will change and they'll change for a little bit and then go back to their ways and he was very good at that and if and again you know you were with them for so many years it's not like it happened within your first year together this is like five six years in Right. And love doesn't just stop that way. You know, just because you're being, you know, abused doesn't mean that you don't love them because you also see the good side sometimes, you know, they come back to you in glimpses. So I could imagine. So it's, uh, I think I tried to, I even like tried, let's do counseling, let's do this, let's, you know, but um, I should have had a lot of last, a lot of last straws. Um, And as horrible as it was that it did have to come to it being his daughter, um, it happened in that next week I filed and I was scared. I was nervous. Um, I think part of me had a little bit of relief. Yeah, of course. Cause but you're then, finally, yeah. Making what, a plan. And what's really weird though is it, I filed and then I freaked out afterwards. <laughs> so before we go into how you felt after you filed, cause I definitely want to dive into that. Can you tell me about, um, when you were dealing with this, like abuse, emotional and physical at any point, you know, you're scared for your life. Uh, at the end, every day, every day. I mean, it sounds like if you're hiding in bushes, (laughs) um, I, at one point, like, uh, I had to, again, you want to pick and choose your battle. So, and again, you still hope there's good days, but ultimately I would make sure my phone was like, one for my alarm, just because like when I like to hit snooze on my alarm a lot. <laughs> so I sleep with my phone, obviously, by my pillow so I can hear it and I can feel like when my alarm goes off. Um, but I would actually start sleeping with my phone under my pillow and my key right next to my bed and shoes right there. If I could have my purse under the table, um, I ideally, but I would basically make sure I had my phone, keys and shoes if I ever had to like basically up and leave. Wow. Which is like, yeah, I mean, you shouldn't have to feel like that when you're in a marriage. And no, definitely not. Yeah, I, I became everything because he would, there would be times, again, he would get mad about nothing and it would be, I'm going to punch you in the face right now. I just want to like knock you in the face. Gosh, that's so scary. Yeah. So before you filed or when you were getting ready to file and, or you're thinking about filing, did you have a support system in place? Did you already make living arrangements? Like, how did that process go? Um, so when things were get harder towards the end, um, I had my family and, like, I'm so thankful for them. And, I mean, even still, like, if they hear this, they probably don't know fully as, as much. Like, I know they know things, um, but probably not in, like, details necessarily. But 
my family was always there and supportive and, you know, what they can do to be helpful and stuff. So they say statistically like that a victim will leave their abuser seven times before they actually truly leave, which I think is completely true because I think I had the times where it was like, oh, like, you know, like, oh, he would throw it like I want a divorce or this or whatever. But I did actually leave, um, I think, three or four times. And I I went and stayed at my aunt's house where I used to live prior to. And um, I would say for, I think there was like a time, it was like a week, maybe two weeks, um, something like that. And then again, it was, you know, he knows how to make you feel bad and say sorry and blah, blah, blah. So of course my family was hesitant, I'm sure. um, But also was like, it's your choice, you know? Um, So I had them thankfully, but it was, it was still really hard because then you, you want to talk about things, but then it's always in the back of your head. What if something did change? Then do I want to make him look like, you know, this pain him in a bad light when you, yeah. Could have been, yeah, I totally understand that because you don't want, you don't want your family as your closest friends to think of him a certain way that would make it so that you can't get back without their judgment. Exactly. And then, yeah. So my family and then, um, one of my friends, uh, Lauren is like, like my saving grace in life. (laughs) She's like, I, if it wasn't for her knowing what she has known and with no judgment, nothing like literally just there to like, I could just sit there and cry. I could call her and cry. I could say nothing and act like it was fine. But like, she just, she never turned her back on me. And she was always there to hear it out. Always, yeah. Like, I don't, like, I I honestly, if it, like, even she knew stuff even before family. And I don't know what I would have done without her, honestly. I think that is honestly the key to most people who have abusive relationships is just having the one. Or, I mean, if you have multiple, then that's great. But just having at least one person that you can confide in, you know. Yeah. So when... Um, do you know what his reaction was? Did he come so, looking for you? So we were, it was very complicated because obviously he had his daughter and we lived together. So I knew I could go stay with my aunt and part of me, you know, I was between, yeah, get him out. But then I was like, he has a daughter. Like I can go stay with my aunt. It's just me. So I think I had some conflict about that back and forth. And then I filed and then I was like, wait, I don't know. And it was, it was a lot, it was hard to get him served because then of course it's like, no, he, you know, cause then he was like, no, like, I'd like, I don't want to get divorced. Like, this isn't what I want. And it's like, of course, ultimately you don't get married to get divorced. So of course you don't, no one wants it, but it's, it was very messy. Um, I guess, honestly, I think he, for a long time, I think he thought I would change my mind. He even said that, like, you'll change your mind. And... Uh, I think he tried to like be nice and I'm because we did have such a history, not that, you know, I want to go be his best friend and like, you know, let's go get coffee. But I would always, I think I'm the kind of person that like, I may not care for you anymore. I may not be in love with you or want these things, but I wish you well as a person for whether, you know, friend, family, whatever, like I wish you well, that does not mean I need to be in your life anymore, but um, I think he always thought I would change my mind. And I think more and more when maybe when he realized 
I wasn't, he would try to be nice. And if I didn't give into that, then he would be just say horrible things like, and things that can't be taken back. Like I will never un see or hear that. And like, even when he would try and be nice after I'll never unhear you are the, uh, what was it? You're um, like the unworthy cunt that couldn't carry my kids and give me my kids. Oh my gosh. And I hope that I walk past you down the street one day and you see me with someone more beautiful and kids that you couldn't give me. And I hope it kills you. Oh, I mean, you just don't say that to someone you love. I mean, there's a difference between being angry and saying like, oh, you're being an ass or you're being a bitch and then completely, especially he's, he's hitting where it cuts deep. Yeah. And it wasn't like it was just like, we didn't have kids. It's like, I was pregnant. So it's like, that just is to the core. Yeah, 100%. That's like the worst thing you can say to anybody who's ever had a miscarriage. <laughs> yeah. So um, I guess I, let's talk more about you because fuck him. <laughs> but, um, so the moment you left, how were you feeling? Were you feeling relieved, scared, hopeful? What were your feelings? Um, relieved, scared, nervous, unsure. I think at one point I was feeling every emotion. I, it was different every day. There would be days I was okay. There would be days that, again, because you have history, of course you think back on good times and of course they come up when you're in the middle of something horrible (laughs) yeah you become unsure so it was a huge roller coaster um and I I went to see a therapist and I mean it's not for everyone to each their own but um I didn't know how to I guess process because I think I tried to become such a problem solver that like I didn't know what to do for me anymore because I was trying to fix him or us for so long I didn't know I didn't know what to do. And I saw a therapist and for all the times I saw her, like the one thing I will take away from it and like to this day live by, you know, of course, like you can hope for things that this, whatever it may be in life, you know, that by this time next week or next month, if I do this and that, you know, all these like hopes for things, but I will always live by that. She told me you can't control next week and what he might say or what he might want or whoever you can control today and now and how you respond and react. And that's all you can do. And I live by that still. And it's like forever changed everything. I don't, of course, there's still things that you stress about, you know, whatever. Of course. But um, I didn't feel such like a heavy weight on me anymore. Because you realize what he was doing and the way he was acting was out of your control. It's not for you to fix. Yeah. And I think I was trying to fix it for so long that it just like consumed me more or less. And I think once I started to just like, you know, if he was mad, he was mad. Like I can't change that. So like, right. You know, you're not responsible for his emotions. Yeah. That's good. That's good. I'm glad that, that, um, you were able to walk away with that. And I feel like, gosh, And those, of course, anytime that you're going to leave somebody when, whether it's good times and bad times, there's always going to be doubt. I mean, I think they talk about that in divorce always that you, there's always going to be, you know, some underlying doubt. So how did you make sure that you didn't go back and that, you know, any day that you had or any time that you had those moments of doubt, how did you stay true to, you know, what you were trying to do, which was leave him and divorce him? Um, I think one, I buried myself in work. 
um, to try to, to distract myself. But I think, um, I think again, kind of going back to how I said, you know, I will wish him well. Um, but I think I, in a perfect world, obviously looking back now, you know, that there could be like, we could be civil, we could be adults and amicable of like, okay, it didn't work out. Like, not again, not that we need to be friends, but like, okay, here's your stuff, here's this stuff, like, you know, whatever. And like, it'd be a civil kind of thing, like, you know, happy birthday, or because we had a dog together for five years. So, you know, like, whatever it was. So there was a point where my dog had gotten sick. And me being me, if he had had her, you know, I would have liked the courtesy of like, she's not doing well, like, this is what's happened. I just thought you should know. Um, and I had tried to, you know, do that because, like, I was freaking out. I was scared and, you know, stuff like that. And About think, your dog? Yeah. Um, and so, like, I had told him about it, thinking that I was being, you know, respectful or whatever and, like, trying to be an adult. And um, then it became, like, instead of – it would always be the check-in of, like, well, how is she? How is she? How is she? And I think it, then if I was at work or if I was doing whatever, it was like, well, why aren't you answering? Why aren't you this? And it became that kind of controlling thing again. And um, it just, when I realized like quite clearly that nothing has changed, I think I just, I think over time more and more, I mean, I became stronger on my own. I became able to realize like, I can do this by myself. You know, I got comfortable in my home and I think it just took time to like, Yeah. And finally actually like feel free, like that this is like, I, I like, I don't have to make sure my phone is on super extra loud and that it's right there all the time. Like, of course I still carry my phone, but we all do, but, um, I wasn't so, um, tethered. yeah, Yeah. Like and consumed, I guess. Like I was able to like, I, it was funny when I first moved into my apartment after everything, out for a while I was like okay I can't be at home I don't want to just sit here and be at home like I have to go out I have to go do this whatever just to get my mind off things and then I finally had a day where I was like just stayed home on my day off and just you know hung out at home like cleaned up watched some tv and I was like oh that's what this is like this is actually really nice (laughs) yeah I I had forgotten what that was like I could I could even just sit like and hang out my dog like with the windows open and not even have tv on just like some music and it was like enjoyable and I I think I lost sight on stuff like that yeah 100 percent. because you're dealing with this like daily stress and anxiety of having somebody who might get mad at you or blow up on you for you know no reason so adjusting to that mentally I feel like is its own journey yeah so um so tell us about how you got to where you are today and you know, how you're living life, which looks like to its very fullest right now. <laughs> um, honestly, uh, my family and my friends, I, I lost a lot of friends um, during things with him. And of course, more so at the end, because I was just much more strapped down and I wasn't able to go do this or he didn't trust these people. And, um, and I thought basically, like, I wasn't gonna have friends anymore. Like my friend Lauren, of course, because she was like, at, at the end, she was the only person I was allowed to see. Um, and I didn't know, like, am I going to, are my friends still going to want to be my friends? Like, are they going to think like, oh no, well, you know, you stayed with him. And I'm very thankful that, um, like three of my, three of my friends from one of my best friends from high school, um, him and his wife, like 
they are amazing people and I had lost touch with them because of stuff with um with Bob and I one of my other friends like we worked together and um we just kind of went our own ways and stuff but we just never really like rekindled anything but her and I are great friends again and it's been really nice to be able to just have friends yeah have friends and family and like I can on my day off I can go to my mom's and stay there until 10 o'clock at night on my another day off I can go up to my aunt's and just kind of sit and hang out with her in her living room watch tv and fall asleep on the couch until 11 o'clock like when I lived there and just little things like that I don't have to be on a time schedule like of course unless I have plans but it's to my plans not someone else's and it's it's been great like it's I mean, I have my boyfriend now and like, you know, I don't, he never has made me feel like he works during the week and he has his sons and everything, but he's never made me feel like, oh, well, you're going here and you're going there. Like, oh, that must be nice. It's not, nothing's ever been thrown in my face. So it's nice to be able to feel like, okay, I can actually have my friends and a relationship and not have to feel guilty about either one. Yeah, totally. I, I'm curious just about that. I know that we're kind of, you know, wrapping up things, but I'm curious when, um, when did the like controlling or needing to check in or what friends you can hang out with? When did that start with, with Bob? Honestly, I don't, I can't, I guess I can't really put a point on it because I've always, you know, I think there's a, um, a mutual respect, like when you're with someone long-term or in a marriage, you know, like, oh, hey, like, I'm going to go grab coffee with Lauren, or we're going to go, like, have a girl's dinner, and okay, I'll be home at this time, or I'll call you when I leave, you know, like, I think that's just a, a respectful, like, courtesy that you would do in a relationship, you know, right. so totally. you think you're off and, like, dead in a ditch. Yeah. Um, so I think maybe, I don't really honestly know, I think definitely towards the end, um, but it became instead of like, okay, like, you know, I'm going to go do this and leave at this time. Like, I'll call you when I'm on my way home. It was, let me know when you get there. It was, was still texting me like nonstop while I'm there and all these things. And, um, it just escalated. Yeah, very much. Okay. So what would you, what advice would you give to others that are in the same situation as you? If you feel, okay. So I came to a point as well that as much as I tried and tried and tried and tried and probably should have stopped a lot of tries ago to looking back now, I can say I did try. I, he may disagree and that's fine. Um, but I can say I tried, I did not give up and just throw in the towel. Um, and it's hard to see that and say that when you're in it still. So someone in a position like that, don't think it's you don't think you're the failure. Don't think you're doing anything wrong. Um, if there's someone, a family member or friend that you can lean on confidently and know that it is a actual safe place that they're not going to like go tell someone or go talk to your, uh, you, you know, your significant other about it, a uh, therapist, whatever it may be, having at least one outlet gives you somewhere to one, just release that stress, fear, tension, whatever it is. Um, but it's, it's hard. It has maybe I never put a limit for myself, but once that happened with his daughter, that's when I knew that was the limit. So whether you give yourself a limit, a timeline of, you know, what you're going to keep continue to try or how long. Um, but if something instantly in your gut tells you like, that's it, that needs to be it. Yeah. If whatever happens later, that's fine. But 
I think it's also really hard too because how I said about if someone's in that situation and having someone or a safe place to talk to about it, I think a lot of people outside that have never been in a situation, they think, well, someone recently asked me, why would you allow, why did you allow him to do that to you? And I understand how maybe outside in you can think it's like someone allowing it, but it's, it's not, it's, I don't think people realize especially if you've been with someone for so long and it's not, it wasn't that way in the beginning, you become, once, if they break you down verbally, mentally, and all these things, you become so broken as a person, you really don't feel worthy. You really yeah, you're a victim. You're a yeah, victim you of abuse. You don't feel like you're worth anything. You don't feel like you're wanted or cared for. And it just becomes... Do I want to fight about it? If you're told you're going to get punched in the face, do you want to talk back? Do you want to fight? Is it worth that energy to continue it and to like wonder, are you going to come home to your house being destroyed, to your clothes poured in gasoline, possibly lit on fire, to have to buy makeup four times in one month because he destroys everything you have, to have like your like your wedding stuff all thrown in the trash. It's you. It literally becomes like, how do I get through the day without a fight, yeah. without this, without that? It's... So I think when people say, well, why would you allow it? You can just leave. If you're so far in and become so stuck, it's not that easy at all. And I think until you're really in it, you don't realize it. Because once you do try it, so say there's a day that you do try and stand up and they don't expect it, then they make you feel even worse and they put you down even more and you just become numb. You become, it's okay. Because you don't want to argue about it because you don't want to push back. It's and when they say, sorry, it's okay. It's okay. And it's really unfortunate that people, it makes you feel horrible too. When someone's like, why would you allow it? You don't allow it, but you, you're literally like trying to know how to live through a day. Yeah. Yeah. And you also, I mean, your self-worth is so low at that time, you know? Yeah. And then so. cause you feel like, are people going to, cause if you do tell someone, are they going to judge you? Are they going to question you? And then say you do go back because you're still scared or nervous or whatever it is. Then they judge you and question you. And they're like, well, I don't want to hear anything you say anymore. I don't want to hear about it. Don't come to me. So then you don't want to talk to anyone about it. Right. Yeah, it's tough because, gosh, I, I mean, I've never been in this situation, but I would imagine if my friend came to me and was telling me about this and then she went back, it would be so hard for me to to not be like, Hey, no, you need to go. You need to leave, you know, but yeah. I mean, it's really up to that person and when they're ready to make that, that yeah. break, because it requires strength and courage for yeah. sure. And I definitely think if there's kids involved, that's when things need to really be considered as well, because I did not know that his daughter had seen him like pick me up by the throat and push me into a wall. Oh, I never wow. knew she saw that. And it's like, what, what do you say? Like, I and I didn't know for years. I didn't know for the for the longest time until recently that she knew that, and that makes you feel horrible. Like, did she feel scared? Did she not feel safe? And then you feel as a parent, a step parent, whatever. Like, that makes you feel horrible. Well, I think it's also showing her what what males. And what male relationships can be like you know it yeah. also is letting her think like maybe this is acceptable or yeah. this is normal you know yeah. so it is scary Definitely. when there's children children involved for sure yeah what would you say you're really focusing on in life now only just um having my own space having 
like being able to see where I was and where I am now that like I did this, like this is mine. Like it's been hard. It's been tough. Like I, there's been definitely times where I feel like, Oh my God, what am I doing? But to see that um, January will be two years since I filed and to see that I'm, that I'm on my feet and I have my job, I have my home that, that I can do it, that I did it. Um, having, being able basically to do, not like in a crazy sense, but to do what I want when I want. And if I want to be on the couch all day on my day off, if I want to have ice cream for breakfast, if I, whatever, just being able to have, like, it's very silly, but being able to just have that option is really nice. Yeah, you're a goddamn warrior. (laughs) (laughs) Play some Destiny Child Survivor in the back. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> You've gone through a lot. So I I feel like, you know, you you are just so resilient and you've shown strength. And, you know, strength doesn't come out of nowhere. It's something that you get by doing these small things every day, right? So when you filed and then not going back and facing your doubt, I feel like it's something that it's like a muscle you have to build on, you know, so look at you now, you know, so I'm just so happy that you are in such a great place. And I've known Shelby, I haven't told anybody this yet, but I've known Shelby since high school. And so, you know, you're obviously one of my one of my closest friends, or at least one of my long time and dearest friends. And I just feel like, um, you're such a good person. So I'm just so sorry that you've dealt with this, but you know what? You're, you're probably even better than you were, um, before you even met Bob because of, you know, grit makes you, makes you a better person. So thank you so much for being on here with me and sharing your story. Well, thank you for having me. It was very, uh, um, it wasn't as scary as I thought it was going to be honestly, but I'm very honored Yay, that you asked me on it. And I'm, I really do hope that it helps someone, whether it's to understand if they have a friend or family member in that situation or just someone that feels so stuck and alone. Like, I really hope it can just open up someone's eyes and help someone. Me too. I hope that as well. Thank you so much, Shelby. Of course. Thank you. All right. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Girl Talk. Before you go, please head over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe so you never miss an episode and leave a review so we can get the feedback. Thanks so much. Talk to you all next week.